Good evening, baseball fans. How you doing? Big signing tonight. Carlos Rodon heading to the Yankees. Are they done? Could they maybe be wanting to bring back Andrew Benintendi? We'll talk all about the Yankees to start off things tonight. The Red Sox. Some news with the Red Sox today. Dansby Swanson is in the news for the Red Sox. Are they seriously considering Swanson as their next shortstop? We're going to talk about another shortstop with the Red Sox. Well, former shortstop, Jeter Downs. We'll dive into that. We'll look back at the Mookie Betts trade. And it looks like the Red Sox have officially lost the Mookie Betts trade. We're going to talk a little Michael Conforto, Omar Nevias. We're going to talk some Orioles. We're going to talk about a slugger from Japan tonight. Good evening, everyone. How you doing? Good evening. Good evening. 200 people in the chat. We got a lot of familiar faces here. We got some moderators what is going on, everyone? How are we doing? We got June Kong here. We got Robert here. We got Mason here. We got Orlando here. We got CRAZ951, one of our members here. We got John Sullivan, Zachary, one of our moderators. Braden, David, Jack, just playing. Vulgar Knight, Luke22, another member. Hello, Corey freaking Preston. How you doing? How you doing, everyone? Good evening. I hope everyone had a great day today. Hey, we're, on, we're at the finish line. Friday. If you are listening to this, because you can now listen to this show in podcast format, wherever you listen to your favorite podcast, whether that's Google, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever the heck you listen to your podcast, you can listen to it there too. So this will be up Friday morning. So if you are listening to this in the morning, good morning. How you doing? Have a great day today. Uh, but welcome to the show tonight. We are live here on YouTube. Um, again, if you didn't hear... Uh, we have recently started putting this on podcast form as well as being live on YouTube. This show is now brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network. So make sure you go check out everything on Believe. Man, they got a lot of great podcasts on there. They got former athletes of teams. I mean, my goodness, they got Pac-Man Jones talking talking some football over there, man. They got some great shows, so go check it out. But uh, this show now is brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network. So uh, we're going to dive into a lot tonight, everyone. A lot to talk about. We got the Yankees, Carlos Rodon, a move that I thought they really needed to make. If you've been with me now for a long time, uh, in the last two years, I've been saying here the Yankees needed to make this kind of a move. They needed a number two in the rotation. Well, they finally listen. I don't know what it is with the Yankees, but it always takes them a little while to uh, listen to people's advice. I don't know what it is. Took, took them, what, two years to move Glaber Torres over to, an, uh, to second base where he belonged. They finally did it. And now they're finally adding a number two in Carlos Rodon, something they needed for the last two years. So we'll dive into that. Uh, but everyone, I do have to go over tonight's sponsor, and that is Bet Online Be- uh, Basketball is back and bet online remains your number one source for all your sports betting needs this season 
you always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at Bet Online. And as your continued source for all sports wagering information, Bet Online features live betting, free contests, and giveaways all season long. Always the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports and events, whether that's NFL, NBA, NHL, MMA, tennis, boxing, or even golf. Head to Bet Online to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use the promo code. Code believe B L E A V to receive your rewards. Bet online where the game starts. Alrighty, everyone, let's get to it. Enough of me rambling about sponsors and stuff that you don't really care about all that much. Uh, let me get the music ready here again. Hope you're all having a great day. Uh, you know, hey, when the Carlos Rodon news hit, I was at the gym. I was banging and clanging. I was just trying not to die at the gym, just doing what I could. Next thing I know, ding, ding, ding on my phone, and there is Carlos Rodon. I actually made a post on my channel and uh, was saying, hey, everyone, I'm not home right now. So, hey, wait a little bit. I'll go live in a little bit to talk about it. So, here I am. I am back from the gym. Uh, I am a teacher. I got to work tomorrow morning, and uh, it's looking like it's going to be a late one. It's the last day before winter break. I'm excited. I can't wait. One of the perks of being a teacher, I get time off and I get two weeks off for winter break. But tomorrow it's our uh, it's our class Christmas party. I'm pretty excited for it. Pretty excited for it. But here we go. Speaking of excited, I know Yankee fans are very excited about this move. And that is Carlos Rodon going to the Yankees. I mean, how could you how could you not be excited about this i mean my goodness like it's it's something that you've needed for the last couple of years like i've mentioned and you got it hey because you know what when we're talking yankees right now when we're talking yankees you're talking playoff baseball that's what we're talking about yeah sure regular season is fine you know aaron judge was doing his thing last season historic numbers for aaron judge but what happened in the playoffs it, nothing happened in the playoffs for the Yankees, unfortunately. Hey, they got—they barely got by the Cleveland Guardians, made it to the championship series, and they got manhandled by the Houston Astros. So, you know, with the Yankees, again, this was a deal they needed to make. I've mentioned this with Aaron Judge. I mean, I think we all know this. The Yankees were basically the same team. They weren't any different. They were the same exact team. Aaron Judge, and here's the thing. You know, I'll even go a step further. I'll go a step further. They weren't the same exact team. You know why? Because there's no way Aaron Judge, listen, unless he is just absolutely out of his mind, unless he's just an alien from another planet, he's not going to do that again, what he did last year. I'll put money down. There's no way he's going to do what he did because last year was a an, an anomaly of a season, a, a, a historic season. You just don't do that back to back. I mean, sure, I think he can be extremely good. But an 11.4 Fangraph War? I don't know if he does that again. So, I think you could actually make the argument, the Yankees, they might actually be a little bit worse, even with bringing Aaron Judge back. Not saying they're a worse team with him. I'm just saying, you are going to see some regression. So, they needed to make some other moves. They needed, especially to add a top-of-the-rotation kind of a guy. Now, when it came to the pitching in the playoffs, the Yankees weren't necessarily bad you know they they had some okay starting pitching you know but it feel like making this kind of a move on paper obviously it looks good but just the feeling when the Yankees come to town and you know Rodon's gonna be on the mound 
it's a different look it's just a different feeling you know it just adds a little something to this team you know what i mean the numbers yeah obviously the numbers are looking great he's gonna he's if healthy he's going to be a key piece for this yankee team but i just like that it just gives them a different look the yankees just feel like in the last couple of years they just feel they're this really good team but just something feels missing with this team. I don't know. And I feel like Rodon, it just gives them a, a, a something different, you know? Kind of like when the Yankees, I'm not saying this is the same level kind of a signing. It's definitely up there. But when the Yankees brought in CC Sabathia back in 2009, it just felt like a oomph kind of a signing. Like, you know, it just it was a kind of a game changer sort of a signing. You know what I mean? Um, and this feels pretty similar, except he's going to be your number two guy. I love it for the Yankees. Uh, but let's talk the numbers here. Six years, $162 million. He's going to be getting a $5 million signing bonus. And uh, it'll be a, I believe, $22 million salary for 2023. And then he's going to be getting $27 million for the rest of the deal. There's a full no trade clause. And that runs through his age 35 season. Uh, overall, the Yankees had to do this. I see the super chat coming in. Alex, thank you so much. I'll get to that in just a second. But they had to make this move. Because who else was there? You need you. Everyone knew they needed a guy like this. You know, if we go to the offseason tracker here on Fangraphs. I mean, who, who, who are they going to bring in? Who, are they, who else are they going to bring in? You, what, are you going to bring... Corey Kluber back? I mean, what are you going to bring in? Zach Granke? You going to bring Rich Hill? I love me some Rich Hill, but I mean, is that going to really, uh, you know, be a game changer? Rodon was still there. You had to do it. You had to do it. Absolutely had to do it, man. I mean, how, you know, I'll be honest with you. This is pretty hard. I mean, listen, I know the Giants, they had a good moment the other night bringing in Carlos Correa, but man, he lost out on Aaron Judge. And now you took away Carlos Rodon from them. I mean, man, the Yankees, they're doing a number on the Giants this offseason. Good thing the Giants landed Correa. My goodness. If they didn't land Correa, oof, my goodness. Anyway, but Rodon, this is huge. Absolutely love it. The the Well, actually, as a Red Sox fan, I'm wearing my Red Sox jersey right now. I hate this. I absolutely hate this. This is awful. Um, <laughs> Liam Simon, I see you in the chat. Nathan Evaldi, I saw that too. You know, who are you going to bring in? Nathan Evaldi? He could be pretty solid if he's healthy, but... Um, looking at the rotation, Garrett Cole, Carlos Rodon, Fangraphs is projecting this. Cole, Rodon, Severino, Cortez, and Montas. And you know what? I'm actually going to agree. I think there's going to be a lot of people out there that say Cortez should be the number three. I disagree. I actually think Severino should be the number three. Right now, if you're starting the playoffs as we speak, I would go Cole, Rodon, Severino. I, I would. There's something, I don't know. It's. I like Cortez. I do. I just never saw him as the two in this rotation. You know, he's more, he's more of a soft tossing kind of a guy. He's got a, you know, he's got a little bit of velocity. He's got some decent stuff. He's a, he's like a finesse kind of a picture. You know what I mean? Like he, he works around the edges. He uses his movement. He gets pick, he gets hitters off balance with when you want playoff baseball kind of pitching, you want stuff. You want velocity. That's what you want in the in the postseason you want these big time guys Cortez this guy is great but to me I want Cole Rodon and Severino games one two three Severino was pretty good in the postseason he just didn't have the offense come through for him so in the end I like this for the Yankees a lot 
Zachary Goldstein. I, I am not a Nestor Cortez hater. N Nestor Cortez was one of my favorite pictures in baseball last season. I'm just saying how it is, man. I'm just saying how it is. I like Cortez, but I want more stuff. I want more stuff. That's, that's all I'm asking for, you know? I'm just saying. But I like it for the Yankees. What else is there to say? It's a good-looking rotation now. It's a great-looking rotation now. So the Yankees, though, the Yankees, are they right now good enough to go up against the top teams in the American League? And when we're, all, when we're talking about the top teams in the American League, obviously we're talking about the Houston Astros. This is, this is the defending World Series champions. Uh, they have done some decent work so far this offseason. You know, not a, here's the thing. Not a lot of work. You brought Montero back. I like that. And obviously you brought in Jose Abreu for the lineup. Good-looking lineup. Uh, they are – we're, we're going to talk a little Michael Conforto here in a little bit. They are still connected with him. They still could use another corner outfielder here. Um, but the Astros, hey, they're, they're wearing the crown right now. Are the Yankees good enough to beat this Astros team? And it's not just the Astros. And here's the thing, man. You got Seattle. You know, I think they're only going to keep getting better. You got Toronto, who I think are going to be a better team this year. I think they're just going to have a bit of a different feel to them this year. They, I think they kind of put some, uh, put a bit of a target on their back last season. I think teams really came to play against them this past season. They just didn't feel like the Blue Jays they should have been. I expect a better Blue Jays team this year, and I and they've made some pretty good moves. So I expect the Blue Jays to be good. And the Rays, listen, everyone, listen. The Rays had a lot of injuries last year. I think this team could be very good in the American League this year. Uh, a fully healthy team. I definitely think this could be a, uh, a very troublesome team. So the Yankees right now, they had to make this move to, to keep pace, not just with the Astros, but the Blue Jays, the Rays. You know, Could the White Sox have a bit of a bounce back season next year? They really underperformed last year. Um, there's a lot of competition in the American League. Playoff baseball is not going to be easy, and the Yankees needed to make this kind of a move. Everyone's thinking Astros right now. But listen, it's not just going to be the Astros next year. They're going to have to get by these other teams as well. So Rodon is going to only help. Hopefully, everything is good with health with him, and hopefully he will be good to go. Now, for the Yankees. To the Yankees. Um, they're not done, though. You, you, uh, listen, with the Yankees, I just said it earlier. In the playoffs, the pitching was not bad. They did not have bad pitching at all. The offense didn't show up. The Yankees, I still think, need to address the offense. And one guy they are still looking at is Andrew Benintendi. They are open to a deal with Benintendi. They would like to have him back, according to John Heyman. Uh, they would be good with bringing back Mr. Benny Ben, though not at five years, uh, him and his agent are seeking. You know, it's interesting with Benintendi. Here's the thing with Benintendi, right? Andrew Benintendi, he really had himself a good season. Let me pull up the numbers. When he came over to the Yankees, bit of a slow start. Then he got himself together. Um, over 126 games. Remember, he fractured his wrist at the end of the season. Uh, he finished with a 2.8 fan graph war. It looked like he got back. He got back to the Andrew Benintendi that he needed to be, right? He tried being this power-hitting guy in 2019, you know, and it just it just didn't work. And so he got back to being Benintendi that he should be. 
a guy that hits the gaps, hits for contact. You know, that is Andrew Benintendi. He was never really this power hitting kind of a guy to me. Now, his power was definitely down, but I think it is because he just focused on just making good contact. And I think eventually the home runs will come back up. I mean, if you go back here, you know, if we look, 2018, it was a really good season for him. He was a five-win player that year. He had 16 home runs, 87 RBIs, 21 stolen bases. That, to me, is Andrew Benintendi. 2017, offensively, uh, when you look at you know the home runs and the RBIs, 20 homers, 90 RBIs. But that 2018 season was extremely good for him. Hit 290 that year, 366, a 465 slugging. Now, the average and the on-base got back to that last year. Actually, career highs in both of those, but the slugging was down. I do expect Benintendi, I expect his power to go up a little bit, and I think his power over a full season, over or a half a season at Yankee Stadium, I definitely think you could see him getting back to 15 to 20 home runs. Absolutely. Now, is he worth the five years? Personally, I think he is. I think he is. I think you should bring him back for five years. He's 28 years old. This is a guy that I think is would be a very durable player for you. You know, sure, he you know had the broken bone at the end of the season last year, but that was a fluke thing. I think the Yankees should bring him back for the five years. What do you want to three? What do you want to bring him back for two or three years? Sign him up for the five. He's 28 years old. What? Okay, so. Five years and he goes into his 33 season. I still get, I guarantee you, he'll still be pretty productive at age 33. I don't know why the Yankees aren't really considering this. He's a gamer, left fielder, lefty bat. I mean, this is, I mean, why would you not want to bring him back for five years? I think that's crazy. I mean, he's very, like, I think he's very solid. Uh, if we go back over here to fan graphs, if we take a look at his value, 22.4 million last year. So I would say I would probably think he's going to be worth I don't know maybe like 18 18 million a season. Let's see what Fangraphs is thinking here. They're thinking 14 a season. So they're uh, they're saying 4 years 56. I don't know man. I would even maybe say 15, you know. I would go 5 years I don't know. Let's see. So 5 I don't know. I'd, I'd say anywhere for five years, 70 to 80 for Ben Benintendi. Maybe do an option in there, you know, for a six year. I think that's crazy. I don't know why the Yankees would not want to do that. He, he was an on-base guy last year. Good batting average. Yeah, the slugging was down, but he was playing a ton of games in Kansas City where, you know, it, that, that's, it, that's a pretty spacious park. And actually, if you're with me here on YouTube... If you're with me live and you can see my screen, I will actually pull up StatCast and we can go take a look at how Benintendi would have done at Yankee Stadium. So if we go over here to the Illustrator on Baseball Savant, I always love looking at this thing. I always like looking at just how many more home runs a player would have had. So if you're here on the Savant Illustrator, you can go to the spray chart, right? So as you can see, Kauffman Stadium, it's a very unique ballpark. And that's why I thought he was a really good fit for there because it's a it's a doubles hitting park. 
it's not really like a home run friendly park, you know. It's not really a hitter friendly park, but it's good for guys that want to hit into the gaps. And Benintendi completely took advantage of that. So let's change Kaufman to Yankee Stadium. Now, as you can see here already, he would have had a few more balls go out. You know, he would have had one, two, three, four, five. I mean, absolutely. I definitely think his power would go up at Yankee Stadium for sure. I mean, if you take a look here, one, two, three, and then there's three here on the wall that, you know, who knows, could just bounce off the wall. But his, his power would go up at Yankee Stadium. I, I absolutely think that. So that's, uh, I think the Yankees should bring him back. If you're looking at, again, looking at the depth chart right now, unless they want to go with, uh, or, or sorry, Cabrera. I always get Oswaldo Cabrera and Oswald Peraza. Like, I get tongue-tied on those two guys. But Benintendi, this is a winning kind of a player, man. Winning a World Series in 2018. Played a lot of good baseball. Played a lot of competitive baseball. I don't see... I don't know, man. That's a guy I would love to have around. I'm not just saying that because, you know, I'm being Giraffe Neck Robbie over here. But I think Benintendi, if you have a chance to keep him, and if he's open to going back there absolutely bring back Andrew Benintendi that's just my opinion I don't know what do I know I'm just a dope that sits at his desk but uh, we'll have to wait and see where Benintendi goes the Astros they could use a corner outfielder like I mentioned earlier the Marlins are always on the hunt for some offense um there's definitely going to be a market for Benintendi but I think the Yankees right now they got to have the inside track because hey they're looking like a pretty good team if you ask me so let's move on here let's move on here and uh, let's talk about my Red Sox. Let's talk about my Red Sox. So the Yankees, obviously, making some big moves over here. And uh, the Red Sox, they're going to have to make some kind of a counter here, man. They're going to have to do something. And it's looking like maybe Dansby Swanson could be the answer. The Red Sox are, quote, seriously considering Dansby Swanson. Let's go take a look at the story. So... Obviously, we saw Carlos Correa heading to the San Francisco Giants. And uh, now, Dansby Swanson is one of the four shortstops left. Or is the only shortstop left on the market. Now, when it comes to the Red Sox, obviously, you did not bring back Xander Bogarts. I understand why the Red Sox did not want to bring back Xander Bogarts. Now, reportedly... They had offered Xander Bogarts a six-year deal, right around $27 million per season. So if I do my math, 27 times six, that is $162 million. Now, the, the thought with Dansby Swanson is that maybe he could be good for around maybe like a six, five to seven-year deal. All right, that seems to be... Uh, the general consensus among all the uh, quote experts out there, but hey, we we saw with Xander Bogarts, where, you know, people were saying maybe six, seven years for Bogarts, he ended up getting eleven. That seems to be the little loophole now that teams are taking when it comes to, uh, you know, trying to stay as under the luxury tax as possible, is offer more years, lower AAV, you know, because honestly, if you're a player. I mean, yeah, you're signing up to be with that team for a long time. I mean, you could always end up getting traded as well. But 
for the player, it's like, why would a player not accept an 11-year deal or a 13-year deal? It gives them long-term security, right? I mean, just saying. You know, a player would gladly accept, like Carlos Correa, a 13-year deal. I mean, why wouldn't you? So for Dansby, we'll have to wait and see if that's what ends up happening with him. But the Red Sox, I've been saying this. I've been saying this. If the if Dansby is open to a shorter deal, I could see the Red Sox doing it because they were willing to go six years with Bogarts. I really think this is possible. Now, I was saying with Swanson, I feel like the Twins now could be a serious threat for him, but I was doing some reading earlier, and it looks like the Twins actually might be just backing out of the shortstop market completely. Even like Their guy that they wanted was Correa, and it looks like now they're going to look into just regrouping. There's been some rumors also that they've been receiving trade interest on Sonny Gray, uh, Kenta Maeda as well. So wondering what the Twins are going to do. You know, you still got Royce Lewis there. You know, how much of a factor can he be after getting hurt last year? So I don't know, but according to the reports, it looks like the Twins might not really be in on Dansby Swanson. Um, now it's looking like it's more, you got the Cubs and the Dodgers are kind of hanging out on the outside, just kind of looking back. And then obviously the Braves, you know, you never count out the Braves when it comes to bringing back Swanson. They could always just bring him back. Um, hey, this is a guy where there's, there's a lot to like. There's a lot to like with Swanson. And obviously he has shown that he can be a winning player in Atlanta. So obviously for Atlanta, they would love to have him back, but, and he's, you know, it's not like he's completely, uh, it's not like he's getting old. It's not like he's, you know, he's had his best season last year, but for the Red Sox, now that they lost Bogarts, I am wondering how motivated they are. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. The Red Sox are very big on public relations. They want to make good value moves, but they don't want to tick off the fan base too much. They know they're going to tick them off, right? They know they're going to get under the skin of Red Sox nation here and there, especially when it comes to these homegrown guys. I don't see the Red Sox going crazy for Dansby Swanson because it's just going to be a bad look. Now, and then again, you did bring in David Price after swinging and missing on, on John Lester. You really screwed the pooch on that one. Um, it did win them a World Series in the end. But um, the Red Sox, they have shown where they learn from their mistakes. I don't see this as a learning from your mistake kind of a thing, though. I think they were holding it pretty firm the whole time with Bogarts. I don't think they really want to go these long-term deals. You just don't. You don't really see the Red Sox going after like these guys with like really long-term deals. When you because when you've looked at the history of the long-term deal with the Red Sox, you had Manny Ramirez. Honestly, the Manny Ramirez one was probably the most successful, right? Because it was an eight-year deal, helped bring in two World Series. But look how much drama there was involved. I mean, there's a lot of great moments, funny moments with Manny Ramirez. But you know, you had a lot of turbulence as well. You had him requesting trades, shoving down security guards. You know, the Red Sox, they don't seem to like the long-term deals. You signed Pedroia to a long one. He ended up getting hurt, and then that was basically dead money. Um, then you brought, in, uh, David, you brought in David Price. It got you a World Series, but 
look at how bad that was looking. You know, the whole Dennis Eckersley situation. He wasn't really a, a fan of the media at the time. I have no problems with players that maybe don't want to really be so, you know, buddy-buddy with the media. Because the media in Boston, I mean, I'll be real. I mean, I've never been a Red Sox fan for as long as I can remember. The media, you know, you got guys like Dan Shaughnessy out there. I mean, that guy doesn't know what the heck he's talking about. Like, I'll tell you that right now. If, if for some reason he ever watches this, I think he is just, I think he's just terrible at his job, to be completely honest. I, I'm not a fan of Dan at all. Um, and, but, but why? Because that's a guy who has turned on players completely. Like, he'll say, like, all these great things, and then they struggle for, like, a week, and then he'll write this whole article about them just saying, like, oh, my God, this, this, this is horrible. They need to trade this player, blah, blah, blah. So I can understand that. So I can understand why David Price does not did not really get along with the media at all. But the whole thing with Dennis Eckersley, it was a little that was a little much. So the Red Sox, I think they're weary of these long term deals, and I don't think they really wanted to do that with Bogarts. I think it's just I don't think it really has to do with, from the personal side of it. I think it more I think with Bogarts, it was more of just looking at it from a, a value from a financial point of view because the Red Sox have gotten burned on those deals as well so I think for the Red Sox they want to have flexibility they don't want to be tied up to these long-term deals they don't want to be tied up to these long commitments uh, because they are they're a team that's always looking to the future I can respect the Red Sox you know sure there's been players I mean we're talking about Mookie Betts here in just a little bit but there have been players that you know, you probably you probably should have tried to bring back. Like Mookie was probably a guy you probably should have tried to hold on to. I don't know. That's just my opinion. But um, I don't know. It, they just don't. They don't like that. They want long term flexibility. They want to have the ability to maneuver when it comes to the payroll. You know, they don't want to be locked in, right? And and you you can't really discredit what the Red Sox have done. Because they've won four World Series with the same ownership group since 2004. You can, I mean, let, I'll be real. You know, like, <laughs> we can sit here and complain all we want. But I'm a guy that I've always, tr I've always been a guy where I trust the process. You know, like, and we'll have to wait and see how this goes. You know, we saw with Sherrington helped win a World Series. But then it kind of started not being all that great. And then they ended up moving on from him. They... You know, they went with Dombrowski and everything was looking great. And then the farm system was looking really bad. And then the Red Sox, you know, so I'm just the one, I, I trust the process. I've always been that way. I'm patient. I just like to see how things unfold. And, and there's going to be negative times along the way. That's just life. You know, it's just life. I look at it differently. You know, that's just me. I can understand why Red Sox fans get very upset, you know, not bringing back Mookie, not bringing back Bogarts, but I've seen time and time again where players come and go and then they end up just winning a World Series again. So wh who knows if that'll happen this time? I don't know. So I'm going to trust the process. That's just me personally. Sure, I would have loved Bogarts back, but I did not want Bogarts back in an 11-year deal. I digress. I'm talking Dansby Swanson. Obviously, it's a fit. Uh, move story back to second. There's always been some, at least for the last couple of years, there's been concern over his arm. Story and Swanson up the middle for the Red Sox. Would be fantastic. Defensively, oh, mwah, chef's kiss on that double play tandem. Story and Swanson would be amazing up the middle. They would be so strong defensively up the middle. 
you would have Reese McGuire, defensively, the guy's great, Story and Swanson, and Kike in center field. That defense up the middle? Grant, what in the heck are you talking about? Noodle arm, double play tandem. What in the world are you talking about? What? Noodle, what in the world? Grant, stop it. Go eat a sandwich. Go go take a nap. What in the world? What in the heck are you talking about? My God. Grant, noodle arm, double play tandem. What are you watching? What are you? My Grant, my goodness. They are two of the best defensive players in Major League Baseball. What are you doing? Swanson was the best defensive shortstop last year. He was, oh, I'm upset after reading that. I am upset. I'm upset. Grant, come on. Come on. Goodness gracious. Um, Up the middle would be amazing for the Red Sox if they brought him in. I would love it. I would. Now, I don't want to sign. I'll be honest. I'm not a guy. I don't want to sign guys to 10 years. I don't. I don't want to do it. I don't want it. I don't like these long-term deals. I feel like when you look at the the history of these massive deals, they just don't really work out all that much. They don't. They don't. You had A-Rod where you won in 2009. Manny had a couple of World Series. That was an eight-year deal. Um, Mookie in 2020. That's one. That was, that was in the early going, though, of that deal. So it wasn't like, you know... Long-term deals tend not to really work. Now, Bryce Harper was very close. But if you're talking championships, there's not a lot of guys out there that have had these, you know, eight, nine, ten-year deals, ten-plus, that have won World Series. There's just not a lot of them. There There are a couple. But if you give me a list, I think you can... I, I think you can count them on one hand. There's not a lot of them. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. So, Swanson, here's where I worry about it. Because the Red Sox, again, they are very big on public relations. The Red Sox, they know they're going to make you unhappy here and there. But they don't want to go too far. All right, That's how they've always been. And the problem with Swanson if they offer more money for Swanson and more years, let's say for Bogarts, they offered six at 162 and they go Swanson at like seven, like 190. People are going to be pretty ticked off about that. Like that's just, that's going to happen. People would be pretty annoyed, right? Because you'd be thinking, all right, you gave this money to Swanson, but you couldn't give it to the homegrown guy in Bogarts. In a way, like, I can understand why the Red Sox would do that if they did end up doing something like that because at at the end of the day, they do need to make their team better. At the end of the day, like I know, you you know, if you take personal feelings out of it, they wanted Bogarts back. They just didn't want him back in 11 years. At the end of the day, you need a right-handed bat in this lineup. You need a shortstop. You need to make your team good. So I would understand why they would do it. Will, but there will be some people that are unhappy. And, you know, uh, uh, Kerr 50, Swanson is a bit younger. He is a little bit younger. Um, and, and Swanson did show some better advanced numbers, 
last year than Bogarts? Well, Bogarts numbers dipped a little bit last year. So could Swanson be on the uppity up? And could Bogarts be maybe declining? I don't think I don't think he's going to be on like a sharp decline, but there were some some advanced numbers last year with Bogarts that could suggest that maybe 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 his best days are behind him. Now, I don't think he's going to be a bad player at all. I think he's going to be really solid for the Padres for at least the next few years. Um, I think the next five years, I think Bogarts is going to be very good. But have we seen the best of Bogarts already? We don't know. We're just going to have to wait and see. But there could be some things to suggest that maybe Swanson could be getting better. I don't know. We'll just have time. will only tell on that. I'm just talking. I'm not saying my own opinion. I'm just saying numbers when it comes to like exit velocities and whatnot. Numbers are suggesting that maybe it doesn't not necessarily going to pan out that way, but it could happen that way. So anyway, Swanson end of the day would be very good for the Red Sox. There would be a lot of Red Sox fans not happy about it because people are emotionally connected to Bogarts. Here's the thing with me, everyone. Here's the thing with me. I am someone I am not going to think with my emotions first. I don't know. Over the years, I'm just, I've gotten away from that. I, I just kind of, I've seen so many times where, you know, like I remember John Lester. I was pretty upset about that one because I really liked John Lester. And I'm thinking like, man, Lester, he did so much for this team. He overcame cancer. I'm like, how do you not bring this guy back? And they ended up winning a World Series. You know, and it's like, at the end of the day, us baseball fans, sure, we have these connections to players, but what do we all want at the end of the day? We want our team to win a World Series at the end of the day. You know, so when I, when that happened, I kind of started thinking, you know, maybe I shouldn't really get so emotionally attached to these players. You know, that's just how I've, always, I've been for a while now. Uh, that's just me. So I'm not, I'm not really going to think with my emotions first. I'm going to just think about from a, from a, from a logical point of view, right? If you're looking at not just short term, you got to look at the long term picture as well. That's just me. I'm not saying my thinking is any better. That's just how I think. So anyway, I digress, but, uh, let's move on here. Let's move on. And uh, we're going to stick with the Red Sox for just a little bit. I know everyone. I know. I'm not trying to be Giraffe Neck Robbie right now. But we got to talk here. We, we have to. I mean, we're talking here Bo letting Bogarts go. We got to talk letting go of Jeter Downs. Why? Why? Because this was one of the main pieces for the Mookie Betts trade. So let's get to this. Let's get to this. So they introduced uh, Masataka Yoshida today in a press conference and uh, Jeter Downs was designated for assignment. I'm not gonna lie, it caught me off guard a little bit. I didn't think that would happen. I figured they would like dump someone else. You know, I figured they would get rid of kind of just, I don't know, like a reliever or something. Um, but looking at the 40-man roster, Looking at the 40-man roster, I mean, you, it's like, I figured maybe they would get rid of someone like a Chris Murphy or like a Caleb Ort or, you know, like someone, like one of those guys. And then, you know, you got some of these infielders here. 
Like, you got David Hamilton that I thought maybe you could have gotten rid of. There's Jaron Duran, too. Like, you know, here's the thing. I'm going to say this right now. I don't think that this is what I personally think. I'm not confirming this. You know, this is not something I've read. This is just what I think. I don't think the Red Sox wanted to get rid of Jeter Downs personally. I think they wanted to keep him. Um, because if you remember, uh, there had been some rumors lately of Bobby Dahlback being a trade candidate. I think they were looking at maybe trying to trade a guy first. I think they were looking at trying to unload Dahlback, maybe looking at deals with Duran, you know, maybe even Hosmer as well. I mean, I would imagine they would love to get rid of Hosmer. You know, I don't know. I don't know. To me, Hosmer is just such a weird fit on this team. I don't know. I don't know. Like, I really don't know what to think of Hosmer. Like, I don't know if he's even going to be on this team. It just seems a little awkward to me. You know, could you have him just be the DH? Possibly. But I would imagine the Red Sox would want flexibility there. But I don't think the Red Sox really wanted to get rid of Jeter Downs. I think they would have, I think they rather would have given Dahlback uh, to a team to try and, you know, maybe get a prospect or two. Um, or. You know, someone like Duran, you know, especially now that you got Yoshida, I'm sure they were making some phone calls. And Bloom had been talking about how, you know, the trade market could be a good route for them. Uh, so I definitely think he was working the phones, trying to clear a roster spot that way. But I think when it came down to it, he couldn't get a deal that he liked. And I think at the end of the day, Jeter Downs was the most expendable. Because when you look, they recently brought up uh, or they recently purchased the contract of Kadeni Rafaela, contracts of Kadeni Rafaela and Emmanuel Valdez. These are two guys that really shot up in the Red Sox system. And uh, let me actually go take a look here at the Red Sox top prospects. Kadeni Rafaela is now a top five prospect, top three on uh, Pipeline. He is now the number three prospect. This is a very interesting prospect because he has a good hit tool, good power, good speed, good in the field. He could be a five-tool player. So the Red Sox, there's a lot to be excited about with him. He still, you know, he needs a bit more track record. But I can understand why the Red Sox would obviously prefer him over... Jeter Downs. I mean, you gave Jeter Downs a, a chance last year. He did not have good numbers in the minors last year. Uh, his numbers were very down. And then you also acquired Emmanuel Valdez in the Christian Vasquez trade. And he showed a lot of promise last year. Uh, taking a look, his numbers were a little down at Worcester. But, you know, when you're getting traded, when you're going through a different organization, you know, you're going to go through some, some changes. You know, you're going to have to get used to different environments, different coaches, whatnot. But, he had a good year. Overall last year between double A and triple A, he hit 296, had an on-base of 376, a slugging of 542, 28 homers, 107 RBIs. He did strike out a bit, but I can understand why the Red Sox, they prefer these two guys over Jeter Downs. Why? Because they had good numbers last year in the minor leagues, and they offer a lot more versatility than Jeter Downs. Kadeni Rafaela and Emmanuel Valdez can play in the infield and the outfield. So, and David Hamilton is an interesting one. Right now, David Hamilton, he's more depth, if anything. But David Hamilton, actually, I think he's dropped out of the top 30 
on pipeline. I'm not. Oh, look, look, Jeter Downs is still here, everyone. Number 24 in the Red Sox system. He's still there. Um, but I do think uh, they like David Hamilton because he has a lot of speed. So I think they could they see something with him, obviously because he's a very athletic player, and you know he had a 3.38 on base last year, and he did better down the stretch, but uh, he had 70 stolen bases last year. So I think they like the athleticism of a David Hamilton, personally. So I think Jeter Downs at the end of the day, they tried to make some room. I think trading away a Bobby Dahlback. And maybe Jan Duran or maybe Eric Cosmer. But I think at the end of the day, they couldn't get a deal. And Jeter Downs ended up being the odd man out. Here's what I think, though. Here's what I think. I do think they... Because you got to remember, when it, when it comes to designating a player for assignment, they go, through, uh, they go through waivers. If a team claims him, right, they can trade for him. But if he, if he gets through waivers, if he goes unclaimed... He, be, he becomes a free agent, and the Red Sox could just bring him back. I could see the Red Sox doing that. I just think they they just didn't want him on the 40-man roster anymore. So I wouldn't be surprised to see Jeter Downs end up coming back to the Red Sox on a minor league deal. I think that is possible. We'll have to see if a team claims him. Um, now, if we're talking here the Mookie Betts trade, right? Let's Let's get into this. Let's get into this. <laughs> Here's the thing with the Mookie Betts trade. It's still, I know it doesn't look good for the Red Sox. I already know I'm going to see this in the comments. People are going to roll their eyes. I don't think the Red Sox have officially. Okay, yeah, they have. <laughs> you know, now that I think about it, they've, they've lost the deal. They've definitely lost the deal. However, I still think the Red Sox, they can still salvage a little bit. I think if Verdugo, he could end up having... Who knows what's going to happen with Verdugo? Personally, you know what I see with Alex Verdugo? I thought about this today. And I even tweeted about it earlier today. Alex Verdugo is basically Andrew Benintendi. But just worse. If that makes any sense. I I always thought, in my personal opinion, Andrew Benintendi and, and Verdugo were almost the same exact player. You know, like maybe Verdugo had a bit more power, but they were almost identical when you just looked. I mean, not not like how they, you know, swing the bat. I mean, just like from a numbers and and a scouting grade point of view, they were pretty identical. So in my opinion, I don't know. I'm just thinking Verdugo is kind of, I don't know. I've never really, I've never been the biggest fan of Verdugo. I've just, I don't know, like, that's just my own opinion. I know I might ruffle some feathers saying that. You know, I know there's some Verdugo fans out there, obviously. I've just, I don't know. I was never the biggest fan. Um, There were were some off-the-field things when he was coming in. I don't know. I I wasn't a big fan of that. And I don't know, like, I just don't, I don't know. It was just something, you know, he's got a big swing. And it's, it's a beautiful swing when he connects. But I just saw, like, a lot of issues possibly with it. Um, I don't know. I just, I, I just, I'm not a, I'm not the biggest fan of Verdugo. I, I've just never fully seen it. Benintendi, I did. Like there, it was just, it was just the vibe with Benintendi. I can't even explain it. I can't even put my finger on it. But just something about Benintendi, he just felt like a Red Sox to me. 
Verdugo has just never felt like a Red Sox. He's always felt like the guy they got back in the Mookie Betts trade. He's he's that he's always had that that thing about him. Ben Intendi was just Benny, right? He was Benny biceps. Verdugo has never, I think, fully connected with the Red Sox fans. I think to the extent that Ben Intendi did. I don't know. Maybe I'm just man. I don't know what the heck I'm talking about, but. I've just I've never been sold on on Verdugo. I've never fully seen it. I, I thought I, I saw a, a solid player, a decent player. I just never saw like a like a like a superstar player. Ben Intendi, not saying was a superstar, but to me, Ben Intendi was like this above average guy you just liked having on your team. Verdugo, I don't know, he just never gave me that vibe. He's never given me that vibe. Maybe it could be different. Um He's good. I just don't know if Verdugo is going to be as good as Benintendi was at his best. I think Verdugo at his best is not going to be better than Benintendi at his best. Maybe I'm wrong. You can hold me to it. Let's see how this season goes. There's a lot riding on Verdugo this year. There's a lot. And uh, when it comes to this coming season, he's going to have to put together a better season. Because if I'm looking here at his numbers, he wasn't bad last year. But he wasn't good. Like, he wasn't great. He had a really good month of June. I just, I don't know. The slash line wasn't amazing. There wasn't a whole lot of power. He was a one point. He had a 1.2 fangraph war. The, the defense out there was sloppy at times. I don't know. I, I just, I didn't see a lot. And, he, you know, there were times on the bases. He just wasn't, you know, he wasn't full, you know, wasn't great. You know, he got run down a couple of times. I don't know. I, I There's like little things with Verdugo. I just want him to take a step forward. I don't think he has taken that full step forward yet. Um, 21, he was okay. Had a good on base that year. Um, good batting average. But uh, I don't know. The highest Fangraph war that he's had is a 2.1. I just don't know if Verdugo is ever going to beat that. You know, I hope he does this coming year. I don't know. I guess what I'm saying here is... I think I would have. I just would, would have rather have had Ben Intendi, honestly. Um, but we're talking. We're talking the Mookie Betts deal. Verdugo could end up having a good season. Connor Wong, I still look at as more of like a depth guy, and it looks like he's going to be you know the part time catcher this year if they don't go a different route. I thought maybe they could have gone like a Mike Zanino kind of a route, but I think Reese McGuire and a Connor Wong, I think are going to be the two guys. That's just kind of the gut feeling that I'm getting. Could they bring in a guy like a Gary Sanchez? I would not be surprised if they did. You know, when you look at the advanced numbers, I think Hein Bloom is like, he drools a little bit at the exit velocity with a Gary Sanchez and the right-handed bat at Fenway Park. Um, but Connor Wong, I still think there's still an untold story with him. We don't know what that is. Who knows? He could end up being pretty good. Um... But yeah, when you look at this deal, yeah, they lost. And here's and here's a big reason why. They didn't get as much prospects back. They didn't get as much prospects back in that deal because they because the Dodgers paid half of David Price's contract. So if they had not done that, the Red Sox would have gotten a bit more in return. Now, when you look at it from the point of view that they could have also had bruised our Gratterall, they didn't want him because... There were concerns over his medicals, and the Red Sox wanted him 
uh, they or they viewed him after that as a reliever, right? They didn't think that his value was very appropriate because they were the Dodge or the Twins were looking at him as more of like a starter, while the Red Sox looked at him as more of a reliever. So the Red Sox said, "Well, he's kind of looking like a reliever here." So, yeah, we don't think he's uh, worth that much. I would have loved Bruce Dargradero personally. However, he has not been able to find a way to strike guys out, even though the guy throws gas and he throws a sinker that's like 100 miles an hour. Um, but here's the thing. A sinker at 100 miles an hour, yeah, that sounds really cool and everything. That sounds amazing. But hitters these days, they're hitting 100 miles an hour. So it's like, yeah, you know, it's like, you know, doesn't necessarily mean he's going to strike a whole bunch of guys out. I would have loved that arm in the bullpen now looking at it. Um, but what can you do? So in the end, yeah, the Red Sox, when it, you know, Jeter down's gone now. Yeah, they've, they've lost. They lost the deal. You know, I still remember a lot of people were saying, oh yeah, the Red Sox, they won the deal. Even when the Red Sox were having their playoff success, I still didn't think they had been in the clear as like a winner of the deal, especially the year that Betts had this past season. Betts is still going to be really good. But that was a guy, I if you were to sign one guy long-term, that was a guy I would have liked. You know, yeah, maybe the last four, four years of that deal maybe wouldn't have been great. But I don't know. That I would have liked Betts back, honestly. Um, we'll have to just wait and see what, what ends up happening with Verdugo and Downs and Wong this coming year. It doesn't look great now, though. They could still bring back Downs. We'll just have to wait and see. So let's move on, everyone. Let's move on. Enough of me talking about the Red Sox. I know. I know. I had one person comment on one of my videos of the day. Why Why are you? You have your Red Sox podcast. Why don't you just talk about the Red Sox on there? Well, last time I checked, last time I checked to that person that wrote that comment, this is a baseball show. And last time I checked, the Red Sox play baseball. Oh, man, who would have thought? Who would have thought? Who would have thought? Uh, let's move on. Let's stay in the division. We might as well. The Baltimore Orioles. They have responded to Carlos Correa going to San Francisco. I thought Carlos Correa would have been a perfect Baltimore Oriole. They didn't get him, but they have responded, everyone. A huge move. They have signed Adam Frazier. Adam Frazier coming to Baltimore. Man, oh, man. Here we go. Uh, I mean, I'm being sarcastic there, everyone. But uh, Adam Frazier, uh, yeah, you know, it's news. I got to talk the news. <laughs> so there's not a whole lot to talk about. Um, the only reason I'm talking about it really is because they, you know, he is a guy that has had success. I mean, I sound like I'm just picking on Adam Frazier here in the blue and the uh, and the Orioles. But I don't know, man, I'm pretty upset. That the Orioles didn't get Carlos Correa. I thought he was perfect. I thought he was perfect for him, man. What, what are they doing? They said they were going to spend some money this offseason. What the heck have they even done? They got Kyle Gibson and Adam Frazier. I mean, my goodness. And now Jorge Mateo. Because uh, it's like, if you're going to bring in an infielder, Adam Frazier was not the guy, Baltimore. It was Correa. What are you doing? Adam Frazier? He hit 238 last year. He had a 301 on base, a 311 slugging. That's the guy that you bring in. That's your answer for Correa going to San Francisco. 
Baltimore, you're out of your you're out of your mind. Adam Frazier? Come on. I'd rather I'd rather just have Mateo out there. What are we doing? I don't get this move. I don't know. Maybe I mean the thing with Frazier, he was pretty good a couple of years ago when he was on the Pirates. He was pretty good. That you know. Last year, he had a 3.6 Fangraph war. He hit 305, 368 on base, a 411 slugging, whatever. But he was a contact guy. When he went to the Padres, his numbers completely dipped. And then with the Mariners last year, he was just whatever. He had nothing with the bat. He played some good defense. But, I mean, he had a he had a 0.72 ISO. Like, what are we doing? I don't know what was going on with the Pirates. He was, was doing his thing there. But, I don't know. Maybe you could find it with the Orioles, a one-year deal. I mean, hey, a veteran guy. It's not going to hurt. You got a lot of young guys here in Baltimore. I'm sure Frazier will be a, a good guy in the clubhouse, I think. Um, from just like a, you know, from a positional point of view, from a numbers point of view, I don't know. I didn't see it. Why didn't you just bring in Carlos Correa? Like, why couldn't you just do that? I don't I don't get it. I don't get it. Whatever. Uh, but the reason I am, one reason I am talking about the Orioles is because they are also in the news when it comes to Michael Walker. Had a bit of a, a resurgence last year. Had some success with Boston. Here's the thing with Michael Walker. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm going to be honest with you. I don't know if Waka is going to continue to have the same success. Here's the thing. Waka, the Red Sox last year, they shifted a lot last year for Waka. A lot. He really benefited from that shift. And now you're not going to have the shift. So he's going to have to have a really good defense behind him, I think. I don't know if that was the full key for completely behind his, you know, resurgence last year. I do think it was a little something. That is my that is just my opinion because when you look at the amount that the Red Sox shifted for him compared to the year before, it was a huge increase from the year prior. Uh the years prior. We'll have to wait and see if that ends up happening, but the Orioles are showing some interest in Waka. I don't know, man. If you're an Orioles fan, I think you were really excited coming into this offseason. But, I don't know. I think you got to be, like, sort of, meh. However, I will say this. I will say this. The Orioles, I'll give them a little credit. At least they're not doing what the Tigers did, and they're trying to, like, jump on it. You know, and they're trying to make a a big signing. They signed Javier Baez after having a a pretty good season. You know, getting ahead of expectations kind of a season. And then they signed Baez, and that ended up being kind of a bust in that first year. So I'll give some credit to the Orioles for not just jumping the gun and getting too crazy. Now, if you went and got a guy like Correa, that's only going to make your team better. Baez, I just never was a fan of Baez. I've never been a big fan of Baez. I like the defense with him. Um, but I don't know. He's never really an on-base guy. Never really liked Baez's offensive game. But I'll give some credit to the Orioles. You know, at least they're not like going crazy making some a guy like Correa or you know could you you could say Rodon too those two guys you know you're gonna get success if they're healthy you know with some other guys you know I'm just glad they're they're just not going out there and irresponsibly just spending a ton of money 
that's what I'm glad that they're not doing. So at least they're just sticking to the plan. They're being patient. And I, I like that about the Orioles. Naz Knight Racing, Alex Cora just followed Dansby Swanson. You know, I always wonder about that, man. I always wonder about that. Is that like a thing, you know, like, you know, if you're Dansby Swanson, right? You're on Twitter. You're hanging out. You're, you're sitting down on your, your, your nice, you know, leather couch that probably cost you about like, like $65,000. He's sitting there. He's having a good time. He's watching his 150-inch screen TV. And he just gets a ding, ding, ding on his phone. Oh, Alex Cora has followed you. And he's probably thinking, oh, wow. Oh, look, look, look at Cora following me. Is that, like a, is that a thing that these organizations do? You know, does someone like call Alex Cora there and just say, hey, uh, hey, we really like Swanson right now. Can you just go follow him? Can you do that? I wonder if that's like a planned thing. You know, I'm just saying. I wonder. Because it is interesting. It's social media. I, I hate hearing these things out there like, oh, you know, take it with a grain of salt. You know, don't don't, you know, put so much emphasis on this. Don't put too much weight on this. But he has unfollowed, you know, this team or whatever. Now, Aaron Judge, he did change his profile. I'm telling you, I think Aaron Judge was going to the Giants. I think he was gone. I think he wanted to stay with the Yankees. Like Zach Eflin, right? I talked about this. I have a friend that knows Zach Eflin. Um, and she told me that he really wanted to stay with the Phillies. Like he didn't want to go to another team. He really wanted to stay with them. But he had to take the good deal with the Rays, you know, because it was uh, for him personally, he lives in the Central Florida area. So going to the Rays made sense for Zach Eflin, but he really wanted to stay in Philly. I think Aaron Judge really just wanted to stay with the Yankees. But I think he was ready to go to the Giants. I think in his head, I think that he was pretty much gone. But then the Yankees made the phone call. You know? That's what I think. Aaron Judge, when he changed his profile, when he took New York out of it, I'm telling you, I think he was good as gone. You know? And then Hal Steinbrenner made the call, and the rest was history. So, let's move on, everyone. The Orioles, hey, you know, a a bit of a boring offseason for the Orioles. But I can also give them some credit for not jumping the gun. Okay? So, uh, we do have a couple other, well, we had one other move happen tonight and, uh, we'll get a couple more after to talk about, but, uh, Hey, everyone, YouTuber Jolly Olive has signed with the New York Mets. Jolly Olive, AKA Omar Navias has signed with the New York Mets. Can you believe it? My goodness. Here's the story. It's a $15 million guarantee, according to John Heyman. And he'll make $8 million next year. And then there's an option for seven in 2024. So the thing with Omar Nevaez, he's going to be a good, solid catcher for you. I like it. And uh, <laughs> isn't this crazy? This basically says right here that the James McCann signing was basically a failure. I mean, you got three catchers now. You got Navias, McCann, and Nito. So Navias last year, his offense really dipped. 
or sorry, not Nevaez, I mean Jolly Olive. Uh, his offense really went down. Hit 206, 292 on base, 305 slugging. But he's still going to give you really good defense, and I like that for the Mets. I like that. Um, listen, I think right now, I think today's game, you don't need a lot of offense from your catcher. I think if they can come up with some timely hits, you know, it's icing on the cake. But the catcher, you need them to just handle the pitching staff. You need them to play good defense behind the plate. They're the general out there. You know, if they can give you offense, sure. Um, but look how big of a, you know, a player or big of a trade Sean Murphy was to the Braves. He doesn't have an amazing offensive line. You know, it's okay. But Sean Murphy, the reason he's so good is because he's very good defensively, does well with the pictures, and he can hit. He doesn't hit a lot. That's why JT Realmuto is so good, right? Because he does it all, right? But Nevias, I think that's going to be really good for the Mets. I like the defense. He does really well. If I actually go a little deeper here, if I go to the fielding for Nevias, uh, taking a look here. Last year, he had two defensive runs saved. Actually, the last few years, he has combined for seven defensive runs saved. He was awful in Seattle. I don't know what he was doing in Seattle and Chicago those first few years, but he was awful defensively. When he went to Milwaukee, he figured something out. But Omar Nevaez is really good with his framing. And uh, he's got a three, he had a 3.9 in 2020 and 8.8 in 2021 and a 7.5 last year. Now, I have not actually looked at this, but let's actually go take a look here at the defensive rankings. Let's see. When it came to catchers, where did the Mets rank last year in framing? Okay, they were fifth overall. So they were fifth. So it wasn't like they were bad at framing. But, hey, Nervais is only going to help that. So I like it. Overall, I think it's a good guy to have. He's a good teammate. Players seem to love playing with him. You know, he, always, he was always having fun over there in Milwaukee. I like the move. I think it's just a solid move overall. Um, can he give you a little something with the bat? Sure. But uh, he's a lefty bat, James McCann. I know he seems like he's kind of a lost cause now, but, you know, who do they go with as a righty? You know, you got two righty catchers on the bench. I'm imagining they're going to do something about that. Who knows? Who knows? But I like the move. Jolly Olive to the Mets, everyone. Jolly Olive to the Mets. To his hometown Mets. You got to love it. Uh, but speaking of the Mets, speaking of the Mets, uh, let's talk about a former New York Met and Michael Conforto is receiving some interest. Let's go talk about it. Um, and hey, you know what? John Heyman actually came out with an article. Came out with an article. And uh, he actually has a few things on here. There is actually one pretty interesting part of this that I'm going to read in just a little bit, but I just want to cover the Michael Conforto news. Uh, right now, the Marlins, the Cubs, and the Astros are linked to Conforto, according to to John Heyman. Um, but also, he is still not counting out Michael Brantley for Houston. So look out for that. I'm wondering where Brantley ends up going. I, I, I don't think it's completely uh, completely locked in that he goes back to Houston. I could see Conforto. Honestly, I could see... Could you maybe see Conforto with the Cubs? You know, they're taking a bit of a chance on someone like Cody Bellinger. Could you do Conforto as well? However, with Conforto, now you have Matt Mervis, who 
could end up being the first baseman for the Cubs. So you could move him to first base, right? He's playing in the Arizona Fall League right now, but the Cubs, they love him. So you could put Conforto at DH, or you could put Bellinger. You could kind of mix and match. So Conforto could fit. He would just have to, he wouldn't be playing outfield all the time, I think, because you got Sai Suzuki, you got Ian Happ, and you got Bellinger. So Conforto doesn't exact, he's not like a perfect fit where he can just slide into the outfield. Um, Then you got the Astros, who do need a left fielder. They could use another outfielder out there if they don't go Michael Brantley. Could they take a bit of a wild card move here and go with a Conforto? The Marlins, I think, are interesting. This could be, I think, a way for the Marlins to try and get themselves a bat. It's a bit of an outside-the-box move, but they could do something like this now with their outfield. Um, You got John Birdie in left. Conforto could end up being an upgrade. Birdie offered a lot of speed last year, though. He had 41 stolen bases. You got Aviseo Garcia. He's not going anywhere. Uh, And then you got Brian De La Cruz. Also, along with Jesus Sanchez, two young players. Jesus Sanchez seems to have more of a ceiling, while Brian De La Cruz seems to have a better floor at the moment. So, I think right now the most logical spot for Conforto seems to be the Astros, because they just have more of an opening. The Marlins and the Cubs, it's a little more tricky when it comes to their roster. Um, We'll have to wait and see, but the Marlins have also been connected with Justin Turner. The Marlins are just trying to add bats. That's what they need. Um, Also in this article, the Giants and the Angels, they were in on Chris Bassett before he went to Toronto. The Royals, they're trying to bring Zach Greinke back. But uh, because all these pictures are getting so much money, I guess that's making him think, oh, okay, I want more money. So the Royals are uh, not quite done with that yet. So who knows, Zach Greinke, could he end up just going to another team? I don't know. Uh, He was... John Heyman also said Jacob DeGrom, his medicals looked really good. That's good to hear. That's good to hear, man. I'm glad. Jacob DeGrom. I hope his medicals are good if the Rangers are signing him for that much money. But uh, he also mentions a couple other things. Oh, hey, everyone. Hey, I think I said this the other night. And I had a whole ton of people in the chat saying, Robbie... No, that's not going to happen. That's not going to happen, Robbie. But look, John Heyman. I understand John Heyman reported Arson Judge to the Giants. I know. So you can't fully, fully take John Heyman at his word. But he is mentioning it. The Giants haven't said for sure, but Correa is said to be okay if he has to play third base for a year so they could keep Brandon Crawford at shortstop. I said that the other night, and I had all these people in the chat saying, no way, no way, Correa's going to be the shortstop. Well, yeah, long term, he's going to be the shortstop. But Correa, if he wants to be a good team, here's the thing. you got to look at it from a personal point of view, from a person-to-person point of view. Brandon Crawford, there's a soft spot there. There's a human element to it. Crawford has been the shortstop. He's been the guy in San Francisco. Correa is the new guy. Don't you think Correa maybe wants to get off on the right foot in San Francisco? He's going to be there for 13 years. I would imagine Carlos Correa 
Do you think he's really going to come in, you know, stomp his feet, walking like Vince McMahon in there and say, no, I'm the shortstop. Nope. Hey, Brandon Crawford. Hey, go kick rocks. Go hang out at third base. Go have fun. I'm the new shortstop here, buddy. You're out of here. Do you think Carlos Correa is really going to do something like that? Come on. Of course he's not. Correa's always been a good teammate, too. I know a lot of people like to think of Correa. You know, they, like, they, they think about the cheating scandal and everything. Players have always liked playing with Carlos Correa. He's always been referred to as a good teammate. Look at Minnesota last year. People in the organization loved him. So, you know, I would absolutely think Carlos Correa will, could play third. Why wouldn't he? Just play third. And then Cro- and that way you're not having any awkwardness. You can kind of, you know, he can go play short when Crawford, ha- you know, needs a day off or whatever. So, I'm just saying, man. I'm just saying. I absolutely think Correa could play third. Um, here's an interesting part of this article. Everyone, we got some, we got some Trevor Bauer news. We got some Trevor Bauer news. Look at this. I, I didn't think I would see something on Trevor Bauer here. Some expect Trevor Bauer will win back some of the time money from his suspension. Word is the Dodgers want no part of him back with the team. However, and will release him if and when he is let back in. You know, Trevor Bauer, it's always it's been a bit of a, a sensitive topic. It's a bit of a sensitive topic. However, in court, the case got dismissed. Those are facts. Say what you want. But from looking at it from a factual point of view, the case was dismissed. So, but Major League Baseball, they still ended up suspending him for like two years. I don't agree with that, personally. This is my own personal opinion. You can disagree with me, whatever. I don't care. But I don't know. The case got dismissed. So, Marcelo Zuna was caught on tape, you know, not being very nice to his wife. You know, I'm not going to get into details. This is a child-friendly show family-friendly show, but Marcelo Zuna was still playing. I'm just saying. Trevor Bauer, his case was dismissed, and he got suspended for two years, and Marcelo Zuna was still playing. What do I don't know? I'm I'm just a dope that's sitting at my desk. What do I know? I have a potato for a brain. I don't know anything. I, I don't know. So, well, I don't know. But Trevor Bauer, hey, man. Listen, I've seen people out there. I've seen Kurt Schilling himself. Kurt, I, I heard Kurt Schilling saying this. I forget what podcast he was on. But I heard, because someone asked him about Trevor Bauer. Saying, do you think Trevor Bauer will end up playing again? And he said, no. He doesn't think Trevor Bauer is ever going to play again. I don't know. I kind of disagree. I think if Bauer still shows that he can pitch. Especially not, you know, if time has gone by. Time heals wounds. So I think if Trevor Bauer comes back, I think people, they'll, you know, rough, feathers will be ruffled. Everyone will be you know, throwing up their arms, or at least, you know, a good half of people. There's always going to be one half against another, but there will be a lot of people that end up saying, Trevor Bauer, you know, this is ridiculous. How is he back with the team? Blah, blah, blah. But I do think a team will sign him. I do. Because I think at the end of the day, if you want to win and he can help you win, I don't know. I understand there can be a bit of a headache there. But I don't know. I I think he can come back. 
I think he can come back. So we'll have to wait and see. Uh, so I do disagree with Kurt Schilling there a little bit. I, I, I don't I just can't imagine someone like him would never pitch again. For something that the case was dismissed. Like that seems crazy to me. But look out for some Trevor Bauer news eventually, everyone. We haven't heard a lot on him, but uh I think we could. If there is starting to, you know, if there's some rumbling starting to happen, I think you could see some Trevor Bauer news. So be on the lookout for that, everyone. So, everyone, I'm going to get out of here. I'm going to get out of here. I got to work in the morning. I'm hungry. I got to go make myself some food. I went to the gym earlier. All I had was a protein shake. I got to eat something. But, everyone, thank you for stopping by tonight. Uh, wow, I only went over one sponsor here for tonight but if you are new to the channel think about subscribing down below uh if you can everyone hit the like button on your way out hit the bell notification share the stream share any of the content and uh, don't forget about our sponsors here on the channel we have SeatGeek. use my code hide you get 20 dollars off on your first order not too bad hey there's a lot of games going on right now i know everyone loves baseball in here but you can always go check out some other sports. I'm going to a hockey game soon, so I used it for that. I got my tickets on SeatGeek. And uh, prize picks. Hey. Hey. Prize picks. 100% deposit match. Use code GINGER. If you're into the sports betting game, you like playing over-unders instead of actual people, use my code GINGER. Give you a 100% deposit match. And don't forget about our sponsor with the Believe Podcast Network, and that is Bet Online. Use the code Believe, B L E A V. And also, we are trying to land a full time spo- uh, full time sponsor with Manscaped. Use my code Hide. You get twenty percent off. Everyone, I'm gonna get out of here. Thank you for stopping by tonight. I appreciate all of you. Love all of you for stopping by late on this Thursday evening. If anything happens this weekend, if we have some Dansby Swanson news. You know where I'll be. Everyone, have yourself a good night. Have yourself a good Friday. And if you are listening to this in the car, wherever the heck you are, at the gym, wherever, have your good rest of the day. I can't talk right now. Have a good rest of the day, and I'll talk to you next time.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.